The Celtics ended their six-game road trip by dragging us all through an anxiety-riddled overtime win, pulling off an insane comeback against the Los Angeles Lakers. It's been several hours, and we're still coming down from all of that. All of that and more next on First to the Floor. It's going to be first to the floor here, and it was Martin Smart as he usually is. Hey, hey, welcome into another episode of First of the Floor coming at you live on YouTube or a little bit later on the Celtics blog podcast feed. Ben Vallis here. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. I'm joined, as I often am, by Jake Eisenberg. Jake, how you doing, sir? I'm still recalibrating my um my inners at this point yes but getting there <laughs> it's a little bit like that and also joining us the first time i think since we've switched over to the celtics blog feed our new zealand correspondent joe welcome back man how you doing yeah yeah not too bad not too bad just got thrashed in a pub quiz so not feeling <laughs> too happy about that but um <laughs> But hey, things could have been worse today, boys, couldn't they? <laughs> Absolutely, and uh, no, no late game comeback in uh, in pub trivia there. But there certainly was one for the Celtics. And look, before we get into that game, a quick PSA: go and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just search for first to the floor on YouTube. You'll find us. Wayne Spoony, not on this podcast, just posted a new video. Dwight Shoot, I've got the little graphic here. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, Dwight Shoot, <laughs> assistant to. The starting lineup, all about Derek White's impact on the, the team this year and his many, many coincidental traits with Dwight Schrute from The Office. Also, we're going to be back here streaming live with Abby Chin of NBC Sports Boston at 5 p.m. East on Thursday afternoon. Guys, let's get to the game. 122, 118 is the final score. Tatum finishes with 44 points, nine boards, six to six, but it's, it's not all rosy. Obviously, I think we should start with OT and the late fourth and work our way back from there. Joe, oh, man. what like what woke up the Celtics late in the fourth quarter? What was the catalyst for the, the turnaround and the eventual victory here? Uh, I'm gonna be that guy and, <laughs> and give like like a real give a real sports guy kind of answer, you know, kind of both teams played hard thing. I just think it was tempo. I just think the Celtics just turned up the pace. And uh, we just gassed the Lakers at the end. Like Tatum's physical conditioning really shone through, I thought, in this game. I was so impressed with his conditioning and how the Lakers just fell apart towards the end. But it was was the heart and soul of the team that got us back in it. It was Marcus Smart. He hit Grant. In the, the wartime the general, the wartime that's, general. That's yes, right. sir. <laughs> yes, sir. That's right. And then he steals the inbounds pass, layout 5-0 run, timeout Lakers, and then it was off to the races from there. Oh, no, it was right. It was Tatum hit Cram for the three, and then Marcus comes in. And the, the camera didn't catch it. Like, they, were, they had already yeah, kind of zoomed back right the other way, way, which is one of my the biggest steal. pet peeves. Um in the in the world is when they are showing like the crowd or a replay and there's like actual play going on. It's not, not nothing drives me more insane. Yeah, these two plays, the AD fadeaway and then the LeBron mid range fadeaway felt like daggers. Marcus wheeled his way back into it. He was part of the reason why we, they collapsed in the third quarter, but he redeemed himself that fully. Was, it was a Marcus like Smart experience. 
Yeah, absolutely. If, you, if you're listening later, we're, we're running some clips from the sort of the dying moments of the fourth as we watch the uh, the Jason mm. Tatum fadeaway shot over LeBron James. But yeah, so just to, to recap the end of this game here, four minutes, 25 seconds left. It's 106, 93 yep. Lakers. I'm starting to write the notes of like, this is going to be a fan therapy episode. <laughs> this is terrible. Do we still believe in this team? Then to, to, to end the, the game, we had Grant Williams along with the starting lineup as opposed to Derek White, who, who started with the team. Grant hits a wing three off a Tatum assist. And Marcus, I believe, steals the LeBron yep. pass and gets in for a layup. That cuts it to eight. Then Cornette subs in for Brogdon with 340 remaining. Westbrook then notches one of what becomes a series of mid to deep range misses to close the game, which is uh, incredibly baffling from a, a Lakers game planning standpoint. Tatum gets to the line on that massive dunk attempt over LeBron James. Epic Ooh. shot making both ways. We had an AD fadeaway, then straight down to a, a Tatum step back three, then back for a LeBron fadeaway, a smart layup. That cuts it to a five point game. 45 seconds left. Smart. Sets one of those ghost screens for Jalen Brown, flares out to the wing. No defenders go with him. Smart uh, kicks it direct. Or, sorry, rather, JB kicks it directly to Smart. Smart three, two-point game. Fearless. Next possession. That was a fearless I- classic Marcus Smart. He just like, he has no idea if he's missed a single shot in the last 10 years of his life. He's 100% sure that the next one is going in. You can't, you can't underestimate Marcus down the stretch. Yeah, that's that's the live and the die by Marcus Smart mentality that we're all forced to to live with. Joe, like, did you, as that shot was going up, knowing all that you know about Marcus Smart, if there was a an honorary doctorate to give out on Marcus Smart knowledge, I, I believe the world would give it to you, Joe. Did you <laughs> did you believe that that shot was going down as it went up? Um, I kind of judge shots on whether they look heavy or not. <laughs> you know, it didn't yeah. look heavy. You know, it yep. didn't look heavy. That's all I can say. Yeah. Yeah, and, and literally the play before, Grant missed a wide open three. With oh, like I thought that felt and, like it. And that was, yeah. I was like, oh. And he'd been fantastic, right? He hit a couple of clutch ones to kind of get us within striking distance when he missed that one. I was like, oh, the magic, the magic has run out. But alas. And so after that possession, AD gets to the line off mm-hmm. what was an incredibly soft call on Luke Cornett. Misses both free throws, uh, and we will get to, I guess, LeBron and AD and their performances uh, later in the show. Then uh, this happened. I'm going to run the clip here from Tatum's incredible shot over LeBron James to, to tie it and effectively send it into. Tatum against James. Tatum for the tie. Oh man, that is straight. Jake, like sticking with the, the same question I have for Joe a minute ago, like did you have confidence that Ooh. that shot was going to go down? Because he had an assertiveness about him that we've seen for years now with Tatum. Like, you know, he's got that look in his eye. You, you can tell when he's sort of rising to the moment and capable of hitting those shots. Did you have a sense that that yes. was going down as he put it yes, up? I did. I did. And I loved it too because, and he, and he spoke about it in the post game as well when they asked him about it. He's like, I didn't want to give them a chance to load up. Um, that's a shot that I practice for late game situations. And I think, I feel like we, yeah, we don't see Tatum take a lot of those types of shots throughout the game, but we see him take a fair few of them down the stretch in clutch moments. And I, I, I love that shot in that moment. Uh, LeBron, he can't hang with JT anymore. <laughs> that's for, <laughs> that's for sure. 
So, um, yeah, I saw some crazy stats from Taylor Snow today on, on Tatum's, like, last five games against LeBron. He's, like, 50-50-90 against LBJ in the last five, which, as Celtics fans, I'm sure we can all very much appreciate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, last five games versus LeBron James per Taylor Snow. He's averaged 37.2 points per game, 8.4 rebounds per game on 57% field goal percentage and 56% from three. <laughs> Uh, Joe, like getting back to OT before we sort of rewind and get back to, I guess, the, the less uh, interesting <laughs> parts of the game. W- like, what was the story of OT for you? How did the Celtics get it done and, and actually walk away with the win? Well, the tempo kind of slowed down a little bit to me um, after and, and over time. But we, I think we kind of had him. We kind of won the game by forcing it to OT. Mm-hmm. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? I think we probably- Just because we're younger. Yeah. And, um, you know, Reggie was talking about it, like, throughout the, the mm-hmm. overtime period. He's like, they're gassed. Like, the shots that LeBron and AD would take, well, particularly LeBron, like, if- it, I've got to be fair here. If Tatum took those shots, I'd be like, bloody Tatum, he's doing anything <laughs> again where he, where he tries to win it with a three. And and LeBron is a really good shooter, and but he's not that good. Like I would hate those shots if I was a Lakers fan. It just it really looked like they ran out of gas. Yeah, it's, AD had um, a similar one as well. He just like transition came down, pull up three, yeah, and yeah. just like barely. And he can't in. shoot him anyway. Exactly. You know, like, and mm-hmm. and also obviously like I think Luke coming back into the game was pretty important. <laughs> obviously and um, Westbrook got a couple on him but he didn't and maybe that was better Doesn't you know, say Westbrook that, getting his yeah getting he his tail that, up yeah right? he, went, mm. he went on that little 4-0 run to start OT and it was and then he and then it was mid-range they dared him like Ben Simmons style just like hanging back in the paint and he obliged complete brick um, so he went on a 12-0 run after they went up and that, that, that was kind of it but again it was smart in OT, mm. he he got the first points with a cheeky little floater. He put he pushed the pace and he found Grant in the corner office again. He, yeah, like he was fantastic in the in the fourth and OT. And, and I've got to uh, like I don't contribute a lot to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, my main contributions come from trying to take very complex situations and distill them down to rules that might work yeah. some of the time. It's and, true. And <laughs> like the Lakers were way ahead on the magic number, like way ahead. <laughs> the magic number was 10 and they had a 13 point lead. It's yeah. impossible, right? It's, Im- it's not impossible. That it's th- not. Just to, re- just to recapitulate the magic number, it means a team has to play perfectly to catch up. So, mm-hmm. all buckets, all stops, right? Scoring two points a minute, give or take, and stopping the team every time. So, from that point, uh, smart steal, it was impossible without that. Yeah. Because yeah. without that, you know, it's 10 and the Lakers are coming down and they're soaking up 24 seconds, right? And we're at 320, you know, and the magic number's nine. It's just, it's just impossible. That was what took us kind of under- you know, we got to eight because we got to eight with three and a half minutes left and the magic number is nine. That was the mm-hmm. crossing over of the magic number. Yeah. yeah it's always- yeah. Sorry, yeah, go ahead, Jay. No, they basically did play perfect. Like after, after the Lakers went up, it was a crazy swing. This is what this game was. Like I don't think humans are built to withstand this level of like emotional, um, no. you know, turbulence within it. And I watched it on delay. So, I, so you know, I was going- 
part through, through the commercials quickly. So my emotions were swinging wildly, even faster <laughs> without the, the timeouts and stuff. They went on a 17-4 run after the Lakers went on a 41-9 run. And then, yeah. you know, the Westbrook 4-0 run, another 12-0 run. It was just like, oh, in my yeah. heart. Jeez, yeah, what's consistency. Yeah, let me lose or win like a normal person, please. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Uh, you guys touched on a lot there. And the, the Celtics <laughs> being the exception to the Joe rule, I think is something we should touch on again a little bit later when we talk about like how confident are we coming out of this road trip about this team. But we're going to stay with the game for now. John Hollinger had the, the tweet of the century <laughs> halfway through overtime. He said, ideally, referring to the Lakers, you have a point guard that the opponent can't defend with Luke Cornett. And after those <laughs> quick two buckets from Westbrook, and I was in the emotional torture chamber, the Lakers went up, you know, four points early mm-hmm. in overtime, like you said, Jake. And I was like, what, Westbrook's doing this? Like, he's found some sort of fountain of youth in this moment. Like, he's, he's rising to the occasion. It's over. And then suddenly, Luke Cornett was the primary defender on, on Westbrook because he was just able to sag off of him and essentially- half defend everybody on the court by just sort of sagging back in the the ultimate drop defense which is something you can only throw at, at Russell Westbrook and nobody else and and that was it he got downhill a couple of times early the Lakers went up four and then Smart hit that incredible floater by the way the floaters and this is not just limited to Smart but with Tatum as well Tatum I don't know if it's the camera it. angle but whenever they go up I'm like there's no chance that's going yes, in could not like, agree just more. throwing it up it looks like their eyes are closed there's no I don't know if it's a lack of depth perception on the viewer's part, but there's just no sense that it's going in. And they're all completely money. Suffice <laughs> to say, they went in in overtime and the Celtics walked away with, I want to say, an unconvincing victory, but a victory nonetheless. Mm-hmm. And I think if you factor in the circumstances, you know, it's the sixth game on a long, long road trip and these guys are absolutely shattered at this point. They found a way to dig deep and make an incredible comeback against, you know, Obviously, the age is a factor, but it's LeBron James, it's Anthony Davis, and even Russell Westbrook. These are like seasoned veterans of the NBA, and they managed to find a way, despite the fatigue on their own part, to come back and, and, and find a way to win. I'm I'm super impressed. Like It is so difficult. You see it all the time. Once, once the dam opens and the comeback has been completed and you go all the way back the other way where you're down 13, I feel like you, you very rarely see a team come- Grab the rope again and climb all the way back. I'm not sure what the metaphor for the rope. Are they climbing back into a boat? Are they climbing? They claim climbed back <laughs> into the boat um, using the rope that they had previously let go of, um, which I don't feel like, especially it reminded me of the Bulls game um, earlier in the year where they went up 20 early and then it was over and they were just never able to regain control of the game. It was, it was the opposite. And I feel like Smart is that type of player and you need those types of players on your team. It's like Draymond is like that where- they can swing momentum with just their energy and Jose Alvarado type type plays because you need yeah you know to the magic number thing you need things that like swing the win probability back in your favor quickly when when time's running out and mm-hmm. smart was like, able to do that. Like I'm just kind of going over the play by play of that sequence there. So like you've kind of got to rewind it back to um, LeBron almost got an and one right like mm. two plays before. So with, uh, what are we at, like four, yeah, 425, LeBron misses a lap and then misses a free throw, right? Like that's as crucial as anything, you know, because if that hadn't happened, we would have been down um, like 15 
with four yeah. minutes, four and a half minutes left. Then the next little thing, so many stuff has to go your way. Like Jalen Brown misses a shot, then we come back with it. If if they if the Lakers just hold it for twenty four, no one ever holds it for twenty four. This is like I know. one of your other theories. It's like just just shoot the ball into the sky with like one second left, and you actually bleed the correct amount of clock. So many like Jalen didn't not late. defending. Yeah, you're not defending in transition. Yeah. which takes away the tempo advantage. Like yeah. honestly, the Lakers actually could have just held onto the ball. You know, like like as yeah, a, like as good as Jalen was down the stretch, he had a like he had that deep three to put them up mm. like eight at, in OT and then he still mm. managed to have that dribble turnover with like 11 yeah. seconds left on the shot clock. <laughs> brick two free throws. And then brick two free throws. Yeah. He was like, <laughs> as amazing as he kind of was to hit that three, it was like, just dribble on the, on the you know, out on the perimeter and just go in between your legs with, it's terrible. But at that point, we had tipped the magic number rule back into our favor. And yes. the Lakers were never going to play perfectly to get back into the game because they're the Lakers and they are terrible and we hate them. Anyway, I digress. Um, <laughs> we're back. Joe, there was a- uh, Well, the, the heading I've got here on our run sheet is none of this was necessary in the sense that <laughs> if the Celtics just played consistently well for another half a quarter, then this whole rigmarole of having to do the comeback and then overtime- wouldn't have been necessary because we would have established a 20 to 30 point. Well, we had a 20 point lead, a 30 plus point lead if we just put our foot on the throat for a little bit longer. And yet that didn't happen. What was the the catalyst for the Lakers comeback from your perspective? Full disclosure, I was having to follow the play by play kind of half by <laughs> on my phone driving home. So, uh, <laughs> oh, man, I've been there. <laughs> and I tell you what, this is just what I thought. This is just my honest. So we've talked about Smart. He's the peacetime, our uh, wartime general. Mm-hmm. Man, Brogdon has not been thriving as the peacetime general mm, for me lately. That hasn't um, made a lot of peacetime. Not a lot of peacetime, man. And look, all I saw was bro- like, okay, big turning point was Cornet missed two free throws. I saw that it would have put us up sixteen, and then then the wheels just kind of fell off after that. It's always turnovers. Man, for us, yeah. it seems eh? it's turnovers and missed threes that lead to transition opportunities. So, but turnovers, I mean, I've just seen Brogdon make some smart heads, some bad ones, you know, but man, no, Brogdon has had a Brogdon. few. He's had a few in this road trip, especially. And, he, and his, his misses often really lead to transition opportunities. Like him and Tatum, I swear. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it feels like because he, he throws up a lot of BS. To be honest, close to the hoop, and he finishes a reasonable percentage of it. But the trouble is, he also doesn't make a lot of those shots. And man, people are off to the races after that. And yeah, it was so fast. You know, like you're just watching it and you're like, oh no, I know what this. I know what's going on here. Now the boys are in their heads. You just, I thought for sure we were going to lose at that point. And and I, it was turnovers. You know. Yeah, it's it's. It's always turn turnovers are always part of the story. I think it does have a lot to do with the the context of where they're at. End of the road trip, back to back. You're up twenty. There's like five minutes left to go in the third quarter. And I think Reggie said it on the the broadcast. You know, the Celtics were thinking about that flight home. We did it. We got back on track, and then it was hero ball. You know, step back threes. There was no ball movement. We we're trying to get some highlights on national TV. It, everything they did to get the lead, they stopped doing. And that's that's kind of the story a lot of the times with these guys. 
Um, and they just looked like dead in the water. Like they, they really looked like they were the ones that ran out of legs, but they were able to find him eventually. But yeah, the, the hero ball suffered no ball movement. It was so 2021 reminiscent, like not just no passing. Yeah, I think we could apply Occam's Rogier here, which is a, a term <laughs> I haven't been able to utter in a, in a while. But it's as simple as as everyone is saying, right? The, the Celtics took their foot off the gas. They scored seven points in the final, essentially seven minutes, six minutes and 57 seconds of the third quarter. And that's just affirmed by the fact that they were able to turn it back on, right? Like they, yeah. they uh, Tatum, I think after the Raptors game, said this on the last podcast, referred to it as a choice that the Celtics can yeah. make of like, they, they know how to play the right way. It's just a matter of choosing to play that way. And they chose not to play that way for a, a devastatingly significant portion of this game. 41 uh, to 9 run back on at the end. is absurd. Such That's crazy. Absurd run. <laughs> yeah. And, and more absurd that you could come back from that against yeah. LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I know that they're old. I know that, you know, obviously LeBron James about to turn 38. Anthony Davis. Not old. Uh, yeah. Like not MVP, old, but prime of his soft. career candidate right now. And he ought to be fair. What do you end up with? Like, got to have you close to 40. Um Backloaded, yeah. though, because I, I thought in the yeah. first half of the game he was not particularly impactful. Um, but then, obviously, I don't know if yeah. it was a halftime speech or quick PED injection, but uh, <laughs> he really, really flipped the switch there in the second half. So, yeah. uh, Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, someone told him that Blake Griffin was guarding him at some point. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, once he realized that was actually what was going on, he, he just started to just shoot little jump hooks over the top. And there was just nothing that they could do. They were just... I'm sure we'll get to it, but yeah, clearly miss Alan Rob here. Yeah, I, absolutely. I think there's a there's another factor that hasn't been discussed, and because this is a fan podcast, not like a you know pure analytics podcast, where you have spoons <laughs> vibes, baby. That. I've been I've been toying with this concept, Eisenberg's uncertainty principle. And, <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes, and and I don't really know what it means, but I've heard it defined <laughs> as like. It, you can't be sure that your observance of a, of a set of events doesn't affect the outcome of those events. And <laughs> while I was sitting there unable to watch or even listen to the game, I was unable to observe mm. the, the game. And I feel like my this year, my observance of the game has you know positively impacted the Celtics. And I don't think we can be sure. That my inability to watch or listen to the game didn't affect that crucial, crucial late third quarter, early fourth quarter run. It certainly can't be ruled out, I think, at this point. Like, we don't it's all we data. really have. Yeah. <laughs> you can only not watch more games, Joe, in order to really <laughs> yeah, determine yeah, if that's just a, an impact. Absolutely. Uh, okay. So, we've covered the, the turnaround, late fourth quarter, overtime. We've covered the... Um, in a vacuum, demise of the Celtics in in the third quarter. I have here again on the run sheet first half and early third third quarter dominance. Mm. Given how we we so sort of simply described the um, the collapse in the third quarter, is there much to add, Jake, on how the Celtics got up so many points in the first quarter, or is it really sort of more of the same? They just kind of got back to themselves and who we've come to know and love uh, from the Celtics team so far this season. Man, it was exactly what we've come to know and love. At one point, they were shooting 69% from three, I'm nice. pretty sure. And, um, <laughs> sorry, NBA.com just playing, playing music when I'm trying to check the box scores here. Um, 
it was more of a, yeah, we were, we were firing from three. The ball movement was there. We're going to get to Tatum, but I thought something that he didn't do in the first couple of games was go into kind of playmaker mode. And I thought that he got off the ball well and the ball found him again. He got the ball moving. And obviously, when Tatum's making shots, that's, that's a big deal. He was three for four from three early. They've been the best three-point shooting team in the league, and they were awful from three the, like, kind of the last two games. So, like, the ball was popping. They were shooting threes. And the defense was really good. Like, as undermatched as they can possibly be, like, Blake Griffin and Cornette and Grant Williams as your front court rotation against Anthony Davis. And Anthony Davis has, without question, been a top 10 player over the past, like, three weeks. It's not ideal to not have your, your two best front court players. And they did a really good job getting in passing lanes, limiting to the, the damage that he was able to do early. Um, it was exactly what Tatum, I thought, think, spoke about in his post-game interview about. It's a choice. We're the best team in the league. Are we going to turn up into the road trip? We're still going to have the best record in the league, even if we lose this game. Um, let's turn up and play the right way. Uh, that was, it's as simple as that. And as you said, like the fact that they're able to turn it back on late, um, they know how to. They know what to do. They know how to do it. Um, it's just a matter of locking in, baby. We've kind Joe. of seen it in a couple of games. Eh, we saw it in the Toronto game. We saw it in the mm-hmm. OKC game. Um, there is a there is another gear that they have when they get desperate and really play aggressively. Um, I think that level of aggression is kind of only. I've, I feel like I've only seen it in truly desperate circumstances this year. And I think that's when we're at our, our peak version of ourselves. Yeah, Joe, where do you stand on that? Because you know, as a fan who just wants to see them win 82 games, you want to <laughs> see them apply that level of aggression at all times. But obviously, it's, it's a long regular season and they need to preserve themselves somewhat for the playoffs as well. Where do you stand on, on wanting them to just play you know, 110% the right way with that aggressiveness all of the time, as opposed to sort of picking and choosing when they do and when they don't apply that level of aggression? Um, well, I wonder if um, if I'm Peyton Pritchard, I'm a little bit like, why do I have to be the one to bring the energy? Why can't everyone else do it? <laughs> or if I always bring the energy, how about you just play me, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's a little bit of a sidebar. Um, it's not possible to be <laughs> at like, it's not possible to be at like, you know, the no. extreme end of your capacity all the time, right? We know yeah. that. I feel like there's a line that the Celtics, sometimes you can play fast and under control and it feels like we start playing slow and or out of control, mm-hmm. you know? Like, again, in the, I'm thinking back to the Charlotte game in that first quarter when we were smoking them. Like, we should have scored like 55 points in that quarter. <laughs> we just started mucking around at the end, throwing the Grant Williams, throwing the ball out of bounds and stuff like that. And we, we do tend to, like, I guess I'd rather see us just push the tempo a little more with our bench unit, maybe. Yeah, that would probably be it. And, and I think that's possible. You know, like, it's not possible to be in, like, desperate comeback, Marcus Smart, wartime general, Douglas MacArthur mode, <laughs> you know, all the yeah. time. But it is possible for us to play with a little more purpose when we've got a decent lead, because we've seen it a lot this year, eh, where we've got like that kind of 15-point-ish lead and we just exactly. kind of uh, play with our food a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, this, this Celtics team's been doing that for two years now. Mm. I, and, I, and I wonder, it, it is kind of a league-wide thing, though. Like these 15, 20-point leads, one, it's just human nature in the midst of like this 82-game slog and you think you finally get a second of reprieve 
and Anthony Davis, Austin Reeves, man. And all of a sudden, Austin Reeves goes on his own like little 6-0 run, um, which is exactly what he did against the Sixers the other day. It's kind of actually insane how where the South, the Lakers would be without Austin Reeves, like yeah. late <laughs> second round pick, or was he undrafted? Um, he's like their third best player. The fact, and so like where they would be without <laughs> him. Um, but that's exactly the type of player that's going to get you, you know, back in the game when you're against a team like the Celtics. And I, I actually think it's a good thing that they at least have the switch because they last season they kind of played like a team that had the switch, but like. They kept they kept trying to hit the ignition and like hit the nos, and nothing would nothing would happen. The nos, yeah, the nos. Fast and the furious. Exactly. Need for Speed Underground too, and like you're racing some guy dri- drifting behind, and you you're you're on empty. And this year they have it. Like those were perfect examples, Joe. Like the, the OKC one. That third quarter against the Raptors was just a masterpiece in flipping the switch and grinding a team into dust. Um, it's good that they've got the switch. It's kind of a sign of a of a elite team, like a lot of these elite teams can tend to play with their food. So, yeah. I feel yeah. like one of the little kind of canaries in the coal mine for knowing that the Celtics have the have the switch flipped is watch how hard Tatum's bouncing the ball. Like if yeah. Tatum's pounding that thing into the floor, like he was tonight, like the Celtics are going to go on a run. Yeah, you know, like when he's bouncing it hard into the floor and he's playing with like real purpose. That's that's what I kind of look for. He's he's such a different player when he's like that. Yeah, and he's, yeah, and he's taking the the bet like the number one matchup on the other end as well. Like he did it early yeah. and then late as well. He was forcing really tough stuff. He was denying AD. He was getting over screens. Um, that's what. Yeah, I love two way. I was getting switched on to LeBron. That wasn't a great matchup. <laughs> I thought like I was thinking that that's a good matchup, but LeBron cooked him he cooked a him, couple man. of times. Because I think yeah. he, like Graham was kind of preparing for the the physical abuse like in the middle of the chest. Man, mm-hmm. LeBron is nuts at thirty eight <laughs> years old. Like some of these like incredible. getting his head above the rim on these on these fast breaks. But yeah, he he just blew right past Grant a couple of times. Um, yeah, it's not not good for on Grant on that one. Sorry, yeah, Ben, we like- cut you off a couple of times because we're just vibing over here. Yes, yeah, so no, I no, seen John I, I, while, I need to. Know? I need to learn to <laughs> shut up and let you guys vibe. Um, <laughs> I, I I felt like. I could, I can now say that the game ended the way that it did. That I enjoyed watching LeBron. Like it is an amazing physical feat that he's doing what he's doing at his age. He's about to turn thirty-eight in like a week or two, and yeah, Grant Williams just like you said, blown by a couple of times. But at the same time, I feel like, like feel free to just shut this down. But I, I feel like we don't get there without Grant Williams. Oh no question, Sick, no. his overall no question. performance. Overall, he was he was very effective in his role. Clutch. Oh, I- I love Grant. Like he's <laughs> he's my second favorite player. Maybe sometimes my favorite player next to Marcus. Wow. Now Grant <laughs> makes quick decisions. When Grant's making quick decisions with the ball, he's so good. He's so good. Um, he's a great role player. I want him to be more aggressive. Like I'm. I'm I think any any he, he fired away, and that's why he hit some of those clutch ones. But I want him to be more aggressive. I think that that's a lot of teams outs. Like you cannot guard everyone on this team. Especially when there's Jalen and Jason out there, like you, you, you have to shade attention towards those guys. And Grant's gonna have that space because, like, it's just a pick your poison thing. And it kind of felt like he's been um, a little trigger shy lately. And it was good to see him be trigger happy today. But there was a couple mm. opportunities where I thought that he had to. Because he's been really good on the closeouts. He's been bumping guys, doing jump hooks. Um, 
Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think Grant ha- like has the opportunity to really feast on really bended defenses. And yeah, today I think that. if I was just to assess Grant's game a little at the moment, I think he needs to shift the dial, just tweak it back a little bit to like if I catch the ball, this thing's like I'm letting it fly. Yes, because he's agree. been his his needle's been shifting a little bit more to pump fake and yes. and drive, which I think he wants to do because I think he feels like he's a complete. Yeah, like he wants to get a little razzle dazzle. Yeah, he wants to. He wants to show the rest of his game. Um, he sometimes gets into trouble. I feel like he's going to get. You know, he gets his. He gets off balance a little bit. He has the odd travel. Right. I think I'd prefer him just to tweak the dial back a little bit more to let it fly, as opposed to pump fake. Not yes. all the time, but I think sometimes is at the margins. Right. Because we all know what it's like when we're playing. Hey, eh? there's those. Do I shoot it? Do I not? Things. I think if he can shoot it, he should shoot it. You know, the pump yeah. fake should probably be like left maybe a little bit more on the back pocket. I agree. And like if, you know, opt for the shot and then if you start to get, you know, really tight contests or a couple of shots blocked, that'll kind of help him feel like how close is a really close contest. Because right yeah, now yeah. he's definitely kind of holding back on some on some spots where he could definitely let it fly. Yeah, I think he's just at a point developmentally where he came into the season with the the sort of pump fake and drive counter. Now, from a scouting perspective, other teams are privy to that and he's kind of slowly figuring out what that means for him and how he needs to conduct himself now that other teams are privy to his his counter move. So, I think that'll sort of play itself out over It's time. a mentality thing, though, Ben. I think he needs to actually think he's Duncan Robinson out there <laughs> more, than, more than thinking Sam he's Jalen Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if I get like I'm a weapon. Like my number one job offensively is to catch it and make a quick pass, which he's mm-hmm. way better at it than most guys, or let it fly. I love his speed of decision making with the pass. I just yep. his he just sometimes gets into trouble on the move. And um that's okay. I just would prefer to just tweak a few of those back to three point shots. I want to see him aggressively looking for a shot. Do you feel like that's something he'll master? Within the scope of this season, I'm a I'm a really big backer of him. So um, I think long term, I think he's going to be a really good player, mm-hmm. and he's going to be he's going to be a good player in the way that um, he's going to be a really good player in the way that a guy like Derek White is just way better than a guy like Zach Levine for a championship. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's right. going to fit a role. <laughs> okay, I like this elite role player. Yeah, no, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. Zach, Zach Levine is a bad superstar to me. You know, I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm probably being- I don't really know. No, no, I, I know exactly what you're saying. I could not yeah. agree more. If, you, if Zach Levine's your second best player and you're not a championship team, if Grant just, Williams is a your fifth starter or your sixth man, especially in a couple of years, I think he's going to be an elite. He already is an elite role player. I, I really think he has all the tools. And I've got a soft spot because he, like, like, Ew. I see my I feel like I'd pattern my game as very similar to Grant Williams. Like a little bit not a little bit a little bit bit of a tummy. <laughs> well yeah. Well but also you guys handled that uh, masterful interview with uh Gilbert Williams, Grant Williams' father as well. So you guys are you know you guys are in with yeah, the, part the Williams of the crew. family. It, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. My dad. The, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> the only other note I had on this game is that I, I thought, and I, I made this note in the first half, was that our pick and roll defense was notably better. And a huge part of that is that the Lakers possess far less of an outside shooting threat. Yeah. And then you know, speaking of Grant Williams, when he's on the court, we're able to switch 
all of those coverages and, and not play drop. But I felt like the the gap that Cornette and sometimes Blake left uh, as they dropped um, was was less than what we've seen on this road trip, and they were able to sort of uh, close that gap a little bit more easily and apply pressure while still playing uh, drop defense. And, and then further to that, our guards chasing the ball handlers often over screens rather than going under, uh, and with more tenacity. I just thought there was more of a directive defensively for those guys to, to, to play better pick-and-roll defense, and they executed for a change. Um, so I thought that was a notable difference. I'd like to see that against a good perimeter shooting team, but you know we'll take what we can get given uh, how much of a uh, cluster F this game was, keeping it family-friendly. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like as far as playing, playing defense, this is an easier team to defend than the Clippers with Paul George and Kawhi and the Warriors, like- with the with the personnel that we currently have with Allen Rub out, like your pick and roll defense with Blake in the drop is just gonna have some pretty serious limitations. That's just that's just science. Yeah. I think, man, we miss Al more yeah. than we miss Rob. Honestly. Mm-hmm. Both like, miss them both. Oh, both the, yeah, the fact when you combine them together, it's yeah. they're both coming back. They're both yeah. coming back. Please. Rob's clear Lord. to play. Lord. It's happening. Yeah, it's let's going go to wreck the league properly now. Yes, please. Starting mm. with Orlando, those poor buggers. Uh, subplots, <laughs> subplots to this game. I had a couple of notes here. So Smart, again, these notes taken predominantly in the first half. Marcus Smart, <laughs> post defense on LeBron James. At one point, he rejected Blake's offer of a double team. Uh, he forced uh, a turnover of Anthony Davis, sort of um, coming around from the backside and, and swiping the ball. His just like willingness to get up for those epic post defense assignments uh, is something that I'll never tire of. And I thought mm. that he really rose to the occasion, obviously, again, particularly in the first half of this game. What are the subplots now that we've sort of reviewed the game from a macro perspective? What are the sort of nitty gritty storylines or observations that you guys made, Joe? Tatum was just up for this thing, man. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, there's 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 a, there's just such a difference. Like I I loved watching him play end of the fourth and overtime. I loved his tempo. I loved his mentality. Didn't actually love the shot that he took to tie it up. I know he practices a lot. I bet he misses it a lot. <laughs> but <laughs> he was panning in. that ball, so man. He was bouncing that ball super hard. Just you knew it was going to go in. Bang, bang, yeah. bang! Like playing very purposefully. Loved it. Yeah, just a cheeky forty-four nine and six is kind As of you do. Kind of a big deal. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, you zoom out just a little bit and it's like, wow, that's a, that's kind of a Hall of Fame. That put, yeah, exactly. I think Ben tweeted this one out actually. It's like, yeah, against the Lakers, against LeBron, you know, Kobe MJ esque fadeaways and stuff like that. Um, with the two way stuff on the other end. Um, one note, I don't know if you call it nitty gritty. I just, Reggie Miller drives me crazy. Um, mm-hmm. What did he say today? Like, the secret is out. One of Jalen Brown's secret is that no one knows how fast his first step is. Oh, yeah. You know what's sneaky about Jalen Brown? His first step. Could that be anything less sneaky in this entire world that we live on? (laughs) What is that comment? Top row of the scouting report, surely. (laughs) So good at getting to the rim. I was less surprised by the first step and more surprised by the Andyvac stuff, to be honest. (laughs) That got me. That got me. (laughs) Whoops. Yeah. Uh, Oh, I've lost my camera. We we lost the visual on Ben. Don't worry. 
Baby, uh, come back. That's all right. Uh, you guys can hear me, right? We can hear it's you. Good, loud and clear, still my good for the Celtics pod, uh, the Celtics blog feed. I will uh, throw it to you guys in a moment and, and figure out what's going on with my camera. Uh, Luke Cornett, six offensive rebounds at halftime. The Lakers with their Russell Westbrook, Schroeder, and Pat Bev lineups. And then the Bill Russell number retirement during the uh, a timeout during the first quarter. Of those three, Jake, what were sort of the, the more notable takeaways? Um, Cornette, man, I mean, he's, he's doing his job. He's doing the best possible job that he can do out there. The, he was really battling on the boards. Like, that's not an easy assignment to have, to have AD on the other side. And again, I've talked about how good AD has been playing. Like, he's been just ripping apart opposing front courts, um, over the past three weeks. And look, AD still got his 37 and what was it? 15 boards, I think. Um, but Cornette made him earn it. And especially down the stretch, um, I thought Cornette um, was able to get his hands in certain places. Um, it was just one, one <laughs> weird, one weird mo- moment. Easy, oh, he's back. Luke. Easy, <laughs> <Yeah>. Luke. <laughs> Ben's back, baby. Um, hey. Tatum got a defensive rebound and was kind of like off balance, and he kind of just threw it to Luke. Uh, I, I do think that the team has trust in Luke, uh, like not just the coaching staff, but the players as well, um, have been really appreciative and impressed with the impact that he's been able to have. Now, he's been overextended now. Um, but, yeah, I think Cornette is, like, the fact that he was a scrap heap guy, both of the front court guys are scrap heap guys and helping us get wins on the road, on the, throughout this road trip, like, it's, it's a big deal. I bet, like, Luke Cornette's career is almost, like, he seems like a pretty fun guy. He's and hilarious. I bet, I bet, I bet he doesn't have a career if he's not. Like a pretty good hang, like a Bro, you know, like, vibes. Well, it's not even so much that. It's like I his teammates are going to want him to succeed, so they're going to throw yeah. him the ball and they're going to give him an extra chance where maybe they might not give I don't know Hassan Whiteside another chance, right? Yeah, I was thinking and, Dwight Howard as well, or Dwight Howard or whatever, you know. And and I feel like he's getting maybe more rope than he might otherwise get. And there's a sort of positive feedback loop there, right? Like he's been paying, playing way more decisively over the last month than he was at the start of the season. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's my guess. Yeah. Mm. I, uh, I want to make sure that I'm not being disrespectful to anyone here, particularly Bill Russell, who I oh, absolutely, absolutely mm. adore. But I, I did think, and this is while we were winning, you know, pretty decisively, the, the Bill Russell retirement situation just playing because so many of Bill Russell's highlights are, you know, you know, anti-Laker in that uh, so much of his career victories are against the Lakers and they just hammered those highlight plays on the Jumbotron in Staples or the Crypt, mm. whatever it's called nowadays. <laughs> and I just thought that was like a nice post-Holmes sort of legacy addition for, for Bill Russell that he was still sticking it to the Lakers <laughs> after the fact. That felt nice. I, I tweeted at uh, Sean Grandy who- you know, tweeted out a, a replay of, of that particular moment in the arena, asking, like, what was the arena reaction? Didn't reply. Obviously, what a little bit heck, busy Sean? doing Maybe a radio call. Maybe one day. But uh, I would imagine that they didn't receive it particularly well. Did you guys have any takeaways from that particular moment? Well, because I was fast-forwarding through the, the timeouts, I didn't actually see it. But the fact that they had to do a Celtics-Bill Russell tribute while the, the Celtics were up 20, I mean- that Bill Russell, he's smiling down looking at that one, no question. Exactly. 
Yeah. Love it. Uh, okay, I've got a bit of a zag here. Mm. Oh, <laughs> I, know, I know I'm a little bit late to the party, but I'm just not down with these league-wide number retirements. Oh, okay. I'm just not. Even I with feel Bill. Like, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Dramatic pause. Pregnant <laughs> pause. I feel like it cheapens it for Celtics fans. Mm, because I feel like if we if he's retired for us, then you know his career in a way belongs to Celtics fans. You know, I, I mean, I don't want to sound too possessive and weird about it, but do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like it was like it's our thing, and now it's gone mainstream, and everyone's <laughs> retiring Bill Russell's number. <laughs> That's how I feel about it. Uh, like I, yeah. I don't mean I don't want the Celtics to retire number twenty three. Stuff that. You know, like, nah, I don't want that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get that. what you're saying. I, I just, I feel like sort of worldwide and beyond the basketball court, Bill Russell bests Michael Jordan, and that's why he's deserving of, of this level of celebration. And, you know, to have all of those Bill Russell defeating the Lakers clips played in Staples was super nice and extra affirming of of Bill Russell's achievements. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying with MJ. Uh, I feel like his impact was largely limited to on court. And obviously, there's a pop culture element there as well. Mm. But as far as the social justice side of things, that's where Bill Russell bests him. And Republicans buy sneakers too, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So, I, I think Bill Russell is, is Do more they listen deserving to podcasts, of anyone. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Yeah, so no <laughs> risk of uh, offending the Republicans. Uh, I, yeah, I just thought, you know, the Lakers were already, their fans were already at that moment in time, head in hands, suffering from the, you know, inevitable defeat. Fortunately, ended up being an inevitable defeat from the Celtics. And then to have these clips played, you know, pro Bill Russell was particularly spicy. Any other takeaways, subplots or individual performances that you guys want to get to on this game before we wrap up? I'm just glad we pulled it out in the end. It kind of, it kind of, you know, ends the trip on a on a good note, obviously, and helps us kind of relax, relax, breathe easy, just, just breathe easy I, as as Celtics fans. I guess we would have taken four and two, like at the start of the yeah. trip, I and guess. three and three. Like if you knew that Al and Rob were going to be there for the whole thing, like to go three and three, that's yeah, it's just that's tough. Thing yeah, is, it, I see us as like a like a genuine seven fifty eight hundred team, right? So that means yeah. that you kind of do that on the road as well. So I yeah. probably would have been disappointed with three and three, but there's a lot of good teams there, man. All of them will probably make the playoffs, exactly. except maybe the Lakers. Yeah, sorry, Ben. So was this a good win? Because it was messy. Yes, but I think yeah. ultimately the way they came out with it. It's technically a good win, even if it was torturous to experience live. <laughs> And then with this four and two result from this massive road trip, sort of traversing all around the country, Jake, do you feel as good about the team now as you did prior to this big road trip? Hmm. Probably not quite hmm. as good, but I don't listen to Brad Stevens. I get too high and too low at times. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think the, the Golden State thing kind of rattled me. I'm not going to lie. Uh, yeah. And the and the mm. Miami game, the second game they lost in OT, uh, was bad as well. But I think I'm I'm still confident in this team. But uh, yeah, it, it rattled me. It rattled me just a little bit. So, I, um, yeah, the PTSD is strong in this guy over here, and uh, I experienced <laughs> mm. every last bit of it over the past kind of week. 
Yeah, the Golden State game felt exactly like the finals. It was <laughs> like carbon copy. Like we're just struggling to keep up. <laughs> yeah, like we're yeah. surviving every minute. Yeah. It was like, thank God we're only down 10. Mm, mm. Yeah, yeah, I feel- Sorry, go ahead, Joe. Nah, man, you go for it. You it's your turn, Ben. Your well, I, wa- I walked away Cook. from the Warriors game thinking we won't have another opportunity unless us and the Warriors make the finals to sort of replicate mm. that environment. But the Warriors did beat us on our own floor in game four and game six. And we will see the Warriors again later this season. So we do have a chance to redeem ourselves no matter what happens in the playoffs as far as both teams either making it or not making it to the finals. So I I'm feel- hoping they do not make it to the finals. Give me so any other West yes. team. Every I other never one. want to play them again. <laughs> Every other one, please, Lord. Phoenix would be sweet. Give me Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> Give me, literally every team we will destroy. No question. So, the Celtics now fly home for, I believe, what is a seven-game uh, homestand. I'm looking at the schedule here. I don't know if my eyes deceive me, but we've got the Magic twice at home. We do home. indeed. Then the Pacers, the Timberwolves with the Bucks on Christmas, Boxing Day here in Aussie land, the Rockets, and then the Clippers before we go and, and play game two of the Denver Cup in Denver <laughs> against the Nuggets. This seven-game stand coming up, I mean, you know, magic. Uh, I don't know. Like, you start to talk yourself into them being, like, good teams. And even as far as, like, Rob Williams coming back against the Magic, well, the Magic have size... They've got depth with their size. Is that the right matchup to bring Rob Williams up against? The Pacers, Miles Turner, but all in all, a little bit smaller. Do you know what I mean? Like, Jake, you, first Correct. of all, how do you feel about this upcoming seven-game homestand? And do you, do you think there's an appropriate time to reinsert Rob Williams back? This is a good little stretch for us. We've had a bloody murderers, murderer's row the last kind of six games, and now we have a nice little run-up uh, to the Bucks game at Christmas. That's going to be the next, uh, like me and uh, yeah, me and Ben caught up and watched the Warriors game together. Never again, mate. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> literally the last time we're ever going to meet in person because yeah. <laughs> that's just could not have gone worse. Um, it was it was objectively I had an objectively fun time, um, mm. but I was yeah that was great great time to have a few beers and some we had a Tom Brady burger. Uh, it was it was a good time, but. Uh, yeah, that's that's just out now forever. But um, the Bucks have a much more difficult schedule run like up, up until the Celtics game, so hopefully they can kind of get beaten a little bit down um, because you know the media is going to hype up the Bucks Celtics as they should. Like everybody should like it's a Eastern Conference Finals preview without without question. Um, I I do like our spot going into that one. I think you do bring. I mean, the Rob Williams thing is a little interesting because he's ready. Um, we don't know if there was ever if they were ever actually going to bring him back for any of these games, or do they bring him along to like you know get on, get with the vibes of the team, etc. Um, I think the Magic's a great matchup for him. Um, they're definitely bigger, but you know um, he he <laughs> they're, they're they're kind of slender. Like Bol Bol, very fun guy. Rob Williams will kind of rip his man. yeah. Rob Williams will rip <laughs> Bol Bol's shoulder out of its socket on. On an offensive rebound, um, like that's the kind of force that Rob has relative to. Kevin Love has ended the chat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Kelly O maybe as well. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I, I think it's a good little good time to bring it back and kind of helpful because we, we we need a bit of size against those guys. 
Yeah, I mean, he's going to have to come back against some yeah, NBA right. team. <laughs> yeah, so, so I guess it may as well be the Magic. Yeah, there's a closer not as an NBA team as we can kind of get. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I mean, realistically, if we're the team we, th- I think they are, they can really only drop one, maybe two games max in their whole homestand. Um, that's what that's what has to happen. This is this is the thing, eh? Like expectation. That's the expectation now. So they're going to go out and do it. And if they yep. don't, we'll be grumpy. If it's a four and three homestand, we're going to be down buzz about it. We, sh- uh, we should be that. on that one. I I think we because like we should go. We should lose one game. I reckon on this stretch here. Yeah, Milwaukee the games. Seven. We should be favored in, but yeah, we should be favored in all of them. And we will be, yeah. Yeah, Clippers and Clippers and, and Milwaukee, hey, bit of a toss-up. Probably lose one of the two. But. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the comforts of home, even though I personally have nothing to do with it. Just watching the Celtics <laughs> play in TD Garden among their fans. And then the Bucks game, either making or breaking Christmas for like, what, thousands of, hundreds of thousands of Celtics fans, yeah. notably us. And the ensuing podcast that we put out. It's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to seeing the guys back on the East Coast. Looking forward to the morning games as well. The 10 a.m., yes. 11 a.m. starts in, in Aussie land as opposed yes. to like the 2.30 starts, which I'm just- um, I can't imagine what it's like living on the East Coast of the US and having to stay up for like midnight to watch these games. But uh, even they're a 2 p.m. start Zealand, is too much though. for me. They're primo yeah, so what are you Zealand because 4.30 because they're like 4.30, 5 o'clock. So like there's yeah, plenty nice. of games left after the knockoff. Yeah. It's, yeah LA nice. is three hours behind New Zealand. Well, that's three hours ahead of New Zealand, and they are saving time. Yeah, it's weird. Eh? Yeah, I can't believe they're that close. That's wild. It's, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's daily savings, you know, so they're further back and we're further forward. But you know, yeah, sure. Mm. You guys are the first sun, the, the word that the Earth gets to receive each day. Yeah, that was actually one of the questions in the pub quiz uh, tonight. <laughs> was like, of the twenty <laughs> countries that are first to cross to to, to welcome the new year, name ten. Uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. anyway, um, one, of the sneaky say, answers that, one of the sneaky answers to that question that you may not have thought about is Russia. Ah. Huh. They do have like 12 time zones. So. Yeah. Yeah. They got a few. Yeah. Yeah. So, Russia's, Russia's, it's like all the Pacific Islands and then like Indonesia and Russia. <laughs> and that's <laughs> Yeah. Way to bring it home, Joe. Love the callback. That is going to do it for this one. Thank you so much for joining us. If you're not already, subscribe to the Celtics blog podcast feed and our YouTube channel to catch all our extra content that we're putting out. We're going to be back on Thursday afternoon, like I said, up top, 5 p.m. Eastern with Abby Chin of NBC Sports Boston. The Green with Envy guys are going to be back on this feed between now and then. Joe, Jake, love your work, guys. Thanks again. Cheers. Thanks. All right. Until next time, go Celtics. 